Amen. Amen. Good afternoon, sir. Indeed, we are indeed thankful tonight to our Heavenly Father and God for each and every one of you that's taking time out of your lives to come to this study here tonight. We're thankful for Lafayette Church granting us this privilege to come teach this and ask us to come. And we want everyone to feel free to, to follow the Lord tonight and do the things God that may put on your heart. Uh, we, what the purpose of these lessons are is to show all of us as God's people that there's no such thing as a perfect person, perfect church, perfect anything that we as man has something to do with. But, we, but there's, there's flaws in our human nature Amen. because of sin. And those flaws drift off sometimes into our churches and, and, and so forth. But uh, we have a problem of fellowship among Baptists in this day and time. That ought not be. And, and I mean that from the depths of my heart. Back in 1972 when the Lord called me to preach and I owned it in Old Macedonia, I could go about anywhere I wanted to in the, in the Enon Association, the Wiseman Association, the Siloam Association, the Bethel Association in Indiana, and, and preach at any of our sister churches. We all fellowshiped. But things happened. And people started drawing lines of fellowship on, on each other to where we couldn't, we, we can't even meet the, the judgments that we passed on one another. And fellowship's been broken. And young preachers today don't, don't even have the benefit to mature and grow by going to their sister churches and, uh, and preaching and growing. We have uh, spent this study, uh, we began it uh, in history at the, very, at the very first occasion amongst us as old time Baptists in this area uh, where there was a problem. And, if you, and uh, to y'all that were here, uh, uh, y'all understand it, and I'm going to briefly go over the things that we have already discussed, just briefly, uh, for the sake of those that are not here, that hadn't been coming. And my understanding is, if you want to listen to what, what we've been teaching, you can go to LaFette's webpage, is that right? Sermonaudio.com. Okay, and, and, and you can get the... And you can, you can get the history we're giving. Now, what, what I'm doing is go... Brother Rodney, can you pull your microphone down? Okay. Says, can you hear me now? Appreciate that. Uh, uh, what we, we, we've done is we, we've going back in history and seeing where there were problems among our Baptist people. And there's always been problems. I about decide if you get three Baptist preachers together, two of them going to pick on one of them. I just, I seem like that's the way it is. But we went back and tried to try to figure these things out. And the first, first place we found in our area, you know, Middle Tennessee and Southern Kentucky, was the split at Salt Lick. Now, I've heard a lot about that, and you have too, over the years, some of you older brethren. But, but the, the facts of the matter was this. In, in, in 1837, Salt Lake Church voted not to support the Tennessee Baptist Convention. There was a minority in their church that, that opposed the majority's will on that. And, and it ended up, the minority got excluded, 36 of them. The, the associational minutes of Salem that year show very plainly on their on their minutes, 36 excluded. I've heard some say, well, 
Well, we, we don't recognize that exclusion because uh, Miles West and that other bunch went off into hardshellism, but that wasn't true. Miles West was, was preached the sermon that year at the association in 1837. Miles West and, and Bart Hay was seated as the messengers from Salt Lake that year. There was no problem on that. Until the association decided to take up a memorial from those that had been excluded from Salt Lake. That, that's when the racket happened. Now, associations are good, but associations do not have the authority to interfere with the internal rights of any church. That, that's just that plain and simple. Salt Lick had had this problem. They settled it. They had excluded their minority. I gave you all the records, if you remember, where it gave their, their conference meeting, where those that were excluded got up. They walked out. They said, fellowship is broken. They shook their, their dust off their feet as they walked out. And they were excluded in that kind of condition. The association then appointed brethren, and, and they went down there and they constituted that minority that was excluded into a church called Defeated Creek. Now, I have no problem with Defeated Creek myself being a church for this simple reason. The definition that Baptists adhere to for a church is it's an assembly of born-again believers that have been scripturally baptized that have entered a covenant, given themselves to each other and to the Lord to advance his kingdom. That's what a church is. You'll find that basic teachings in the, in the Articles of Faith of New Hampshire, and you'll find that basic teaching in uh, uh, Pendleton Vanya and other places. So therefore, the, the, the good brothers and sisters that wanted to stay with the convention, that, that, saw, that the majority did not want to fellowship the convention, they went down there, the association did, and constituted them into a church. These good brothers and sisters had not, did not have letters from, from another church. They did not have an arm extended from another church. And frankly, the Bible does not teach you have to have an arm. Right. And the Bible does not teach uh, having to have uh, good letters. But it does teach you can be regenerated, born again, baptized believers. So Dixon Creek was the first thing that we give. Then we showed that by the history that Round Lick was a minority in, in, in the Salem Association, and all they did was they went to Round Lick and, and uh, asked them, did they believe this, the constitution of the church? They said yes, so they declared them a church. That, if you want to call that an organization, then that was an organization. Brush Creek, New Hope, and Hickman's Creek were all minorities also of, of Salem Association. And all the association did there was just recognize the minority as being the true church. And went on, on with it. The next thing was Testament. Now Testament was a different story. Because Testament had all, also made a motion prior to the, the, going to the association that, that year to not fellowship the Tennessee Baptist State Convention. Uh, they went down there and, and uh, then when this rec the record started, Miles West walked out, the Testament Church walked out with him. Testament Church, according to their minutes, not mine, but according to their minutes, they went back to Messenger to their home church of Testament and asked them, you know, do you support us, basically, on what we did? There was a vote taken, 22 supported them for walking off, and, 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 and 22 uh, supported them to, uh, to go into a new association. 18 opposed it. They wanted, to, they wanted to do it all over, but again, 22 opposed doing it all over, and 18 wanted to do it all over. 
So at that point, the 18 walked out of the conference at Testament Church. Now, they weren't excluded. They just walked out according to history. And that's all I can find except they continued to call themselves Testament Church, the minority, and they hadn't constituted. They didn't get letters from Testament Church. But they went ahead and called themselves Testament Church. They went back to the association that, that next year and had seen as, as Testament Church. However, one of the messengers asked the association to send someone in their community to, pre- to preach to them. Uh, and so they sent Brother Jonathan Wiseman. Now that was ironic. I'm going to tell you why it was ironic. Jonathan Wiseman helped to constitute the Feedy Creek into a church out of those excluded members in, uh, in uh, October, October. Then he went right down there to the Round Lake Association of Primitive Baptist and helped constitute that Round Lake Association, seated in it, and even helped draw up the constitution for the Round Lake uh, Primitive Baptist. Amazing to say. And then here the association the next year appoints Jonathan Wiseman to go in the neighborhood up there at Taylor Gilliams where that minority of Testament was and preach. So here we have a man that, that was a member of the Salem Association, helped constitute a minority that was excluded into a church, goes down and helped constitute Round Lick into an association, goes over here and, and does the mission work at a minority that walked out uh, of the majority. And continue in the Round Lake Association seating every year, at least 1846, where my, I don't have a record after that on it. Seating with Miles West and Testament Church had called Miles West for their pastor. See, but the point I'm making on this is this, where, even though these brethren did not agree on everything, they did not break fellowship. See, there's where our problems are coming. When we start breaking fellowship, we can't work our problems out. And we just come more disunified. Then we brought in about Springs, Spring Street Church, Baptist Church, uh, coming out of, out of uh, the First Baptist Church at Nashville. And we all got to remember back then the First Baptists were not modern. They taught the same things we did. But there was a division in the, in the First Baptist Church. Actually, bro- Brother A.C. Uh, uh, Boyce Howe, and Brother J.R. Graves got into a dispute, and they got to calling each other, writing pretty things they shouldn't have been writing to each other. But nevertheless, the, Brother Howe had the majority, and so he brought charges against Brother, Brother Graves. You can look at it in the history. I've got all that document on the other. It ended up, Brother Graves and 46 got excluded. They went down there and claimed, they declared that they were the original First Baptist Church. They didn't get any letters. They didn't constitute. They just declared that they were the church. They appealed to the General Association of Alabama and Tennessee, and that association recognized the minority that was excluded as being the true church and the majority having departed from the faith. Now, they, they were still the church, but they broke, broke some of the principles of Baptist. So then they appealed to the association that followed in Europe at Concord where they belong, and the Concord Association recognized the minority at Spring Creek as being the true part, and then the majority as... as as uh, being in error for not following the scriptures and dealing with J.R. Gray. Then we brought in the case about New Macedonia over at uh, Pea Ridge. They were a minority off of Alpha Macedonia Church that was called Club Spring. Uh, there was, a, there was a, a dispute somehow or another. The history is not clear. You find this in, in Grimes. But the minority, there was a minority list, so they called Brother J. Hall Grimes and a couple others, the minority did, to find out what they needed to do about it. 
Well, Brother Grant then just said, well, y'all just go ahead and continue on as the, the, as the church. And they did. They never constituted. They got no letters, no nothing. As a minority, they came, continued on as being the church. Later, whatever Macedonia or Club Springs did that was wrong, they all got back together and you had two churches there, fellowship, and to my knowledge, they still fellowship today. Then we had a church called Rocky Mountain. Most of y'all know the majority of that church uh, followed Christley Miller off into what we call General Baptist Doctrine. And so the minority then came back together and they did reconstitute. They had that Siloam and Garrett's Creek where I belong at to together convert. And they did that minority constitute. Now, I don't know, they didn't have a mother church. And for my knowledge is they didn't have any scriptural letters from a, another church, to my knowledge. But nevertheless, they came together and they constituted. And Rocky Mountain is one of our, one of our strong, stronger, has been the latter years churches. Then, then the next case in history was a church called Bethany. I think everybody knows Bethany. In 1886, they had a division. Matter of fact, according to Grimes' history, uh, the minority brought the majority under charge. Now, the, the truth about the matter, folks, if we're going to get dogmatic, if the majority of a church departs off a of heresy, that church is gone. And the minority has to reorganize. See, Rocky Mountain realized that, and they reorganized. But nevertheless, Bethany, they, they decided to do it a different way. They brought their majority under charge, and then they took it up individually and excluded them one at a time. And the, and the moderator uh, ruled that, that, th that those that were under charge had no right to vote. Now, I'm scratching my head on that in history because I wasn't there and y'all weren't either. But how in the world did you have a majority of 150-something members that day that let that minority do that to them? Evidently, the majority must have not have been there. What do y'all think? They just got together and they did it, and then they, then they, they did And according to, I think, Grimes' history, because they didn't want to lose their building. And that may be true. But now, however, be honest with you, if the majority took the minority to the court of laws, they would have got the building, the majority. Because, see, the majority rules in a bad district, right or wrong. The majority will rule. Then the next case we had was Long Creek. Most of y'all know Long Creek down here. Again, they got entangled with, with a, a General Baptist fooling with them. They got such a racket, they just disbanded. And then a few years later, they came back together, and they constituted. I fit there 14, 15. But now, the one thing that they had in their constitution that some of the brethren today would say it was unscriptural. They had a man by the name of S.R.G. Hawkins, ordained minister, that sat in the presbytery that constituted Long Creek. Now, S.R.G. Hawkins had been excluded from Siloam in 1881 for joining independence by recommendation. Independence ordained him in 1983. And then he seated in the, in, re, in the reorganization of Long Creek. Now, by some of our brethren's standards today, that would cause Long Creek not to be a church. You see, we've always had these problems, and we worked them out. Matter of fact, do you know what's amazing? Siloam excluded S.R.G. Hawkins for going down to Independence and joining. That caused a racket in the United Association. If you want to look at the 1881 minutes, they even brought up in the association we had this last week. But did you know, even though it caused a racket, not one church in the Enon Association broke fellowship with the other because the independents took silo of members by statement? 
Years later, according to Jake Lambert, who was who was a, de- a deacon at Siloam, Brother S.R.G. Hawkins returned his letter to Siloam. You'll find that in the history of Siloam Minutes. I, when, I, when I read that in Siloam's Minutes, I said, how in the world could that be? Siloam excluded him for joining without a letter. He was ordained at Independence as far as Siloam was considering it as an excluded person. And then they received him back as an ordained minister. You see, they, they, they let their, their problems. They realized that, that each church is, is the authority and none of us are perfect. And, and so, so that worked that, that out. Now tonight we're, we're going to discuss another issue that's the next one in history. It, it's, it's the division of a church called Dixon's Creek. And I think we've got some of our members from Dixon's Creek here tonight, and I'm certainly glad that they are here, along with all the others. Uh, I, I love the brethren and sisters down to Dixon's Creek. I helped in a meeting several years ago. I guess most of the ones that I knew back then maybe, maybe have gone on. But, uh, but they're good people. And I have no, no question in my heart and mind that they're, they're the Lord's church. I'm not going to say they're perfect, but they're that, then, then with all, we, 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 they would be not telling the truth. But, but I wrote, I've done this study in 2004 here at Lafayette, and I'm titled The Split of Dixon's Creek Church of 1920 Cause and Results. And uh, I didn't get uh, too much too, too, too much slack over it, but, but, I, but I gave a little bit of the history of Dixon's Creek the way I understood it out of the history. And I'm going to read that to you first since we're going to get into this. I said, here's where I start. We find that Dixon's Creek Church, Baptist Church, was organized March the 8th, 1800, by the following presbytery. Joshua White, William Phipps, Clifton Allen. In the history of the Middle Tennessee Baptist Battle of J.H. Brown, it says it might be stated just here that all the Baptists of this section at that time, both ministers and churches, were strictly Calvinistic and never failed to emphasize God's sovereign election. Dixon's Creek came out of El Bethel on Station Camp Creek, Sumner County, Tennessee. Some of her early pastors was Elder Daniel Burford, Miles West, John Wiseman, and Jonathan Wiseman, W.H. Hale, D.W. Smith, and M.B. Ramsey. These covered their first hundred years of existence. Baptist churches and even associations sometimes have differences of opinions on doctrines, traditions, methods, etc. For instance, and I give them the 1836-1837 division over the mission methods. And I, and I pointed out to Salt Lake Church and Salem Social where their pastor Edward Miles West declared non-fellowship with the United Baptist Tennessee State Convention in 1836. This action caused a division in Salt Lake Church resulting in the exclusion of 36 members for opposing the majority's will of withdrawing fellowship from the convention. The excluded minority of Salt Lake sent a memorial to the Salem Association for aid after debating the issues, the Salem Association seated Salt Lake and its messengers, Miles West and Barnett T. Dillahay. The records on the statistical table show baptized two, received by letter two, dismissed by letter two, restored zero, excluded 36, died zero, total membership of 157. Salem Association proposed to send a committee to Salt Lake to bring about a reconciliation between the conflicting parties. This resulted in Miles West taking the floor in a highly inflammable speech. The result was that the Church of Salt Lake withdrew from the association with others, namely Round Lake, Spring Creek, Mount Pleasant, New Hope, and Testament. Evidently, these churches did not believe that an association had the power to override 
a local church's authority, they went into the Round Lick Association of Primitive Baptists. Dixon's Creek at this time stood strong with the Conventionist methods and remained with the Salem Association. The Salem Association appointed a committee or presbytery to consist of Elder John Wiseman, William Bransford, William Flowers, and Jonathan Wiseman to meet at the crossroads of Defeated Creek on Friday before the fifth day, Lord's Day in October 1837 to constitute this minority into a church. However, on Sunday before the fifth Sunday in October 1837, Elder John Wiseman, Jonathan Wiseman from Bledsoe Church, Elder William Bransford from East Fork Goose Creek Church, Elders Daniel Smith and E.B. Haney from Payton's Creek Church, and Joseph Payne met with this minority at the place above named it and constituted them into an independent church taking the name of Defeated Creek, which joined the Southern Association the following year, 1838. One might ask how a church can be scriptural, organized by the authority of an association with members that were excluded and without an arm from another church. Also, one might ask, were these brethren and sisters sound that organized Defeated Creek this way? One might ask, is this the old path? John Wiseman was pastor of Dixon's Creek at this time. So that means Dixon's Creek supported organizing these excluded members into a church. It's that plain and simple. No way around that. You know, pastor facts. So we see that Dixon Creek in 1837 was a church that was organized on the doctrine of sovereign, God's sovereign grace and, and were strictly Calvinists and stood with the Salem Association and their pastor, Elder John Wiseman, in organizing the members of Salt Lick that were excluded with possible others into a church by the presbytery appointed by the Salem Association. They stood firmly on the modern mission methods opposed by Miles West, Salt Lick, etc., and they believed evidently that the association had more authority than a local church. If they didn't believe that, they sure went along with it, didn't they? No way around it, folks. But see, it wasn't points of fellowship back there. Jonathan Wiseman continued to fellowship miles away. Jonathan Wiseman continued to go to the Roundlick Association and see it as a message from Mount Pleasant. It was not, even though all this happened, these brethren, they didn't break fellowship over like we're doing in this day and time. Uh, Dixon Creek continued to support the conventions from 1837 to, to 1919. Their pastors from 1837 to 1919 were all convention preachers, and they supported the Southern Baptist Convention mission methods. Beginning in 1902 was Elder J.H. Swan. He served until 1908. When Elder G.W. Ramsey was elected, he served until 1909. And Elder C.V. Massey was elected, and he served until 1913, when Elder C.C. or Claude Ramsey was elected. Page 209 of the 20th Century Baptist, Base C. Vanderpool and W.T. Russell says, Elder C.B. Massey served as pastor of this church from 1909 to 1913, during which time the church gave its missions through both the organized plan, Southern Baptist Board, and the Gospel Mission Plan direct. Brother Massey was exceeded by Brother... Claude Ramsey, a young minister and a strong supporter of the Southern Baptist Commission and Smith's methods and programs. But I ask this question, why would this be a problem with Dixon Creek or the Wiseman Association in, in 1913? Remember, Dixon Creek supported the convention methods at that time of the Salem Association in 1837. They went into the Enon Association in 1850, which also supported the Tennessee State Convention and the Southern Baptist Convention at that time, which started in 1845. Every pastor they had from 1837 
to, to 1919 were supporters of both the conventions. And in 1891, they went into the Wiseman Association, uh, which also supported both convention methods. When the Wiseman Association divided in 1915, we find that Dixon Creek went with the Bledsoe Association in 1917. Now that's direct out of the history. If you know history, you know I'm telling you the truth on that. Brother C.D. Massey opposed the Southern Baptist Convention at this time. Was Brother C.D. Massey opposed to the Southern Baptist Convention at this time? If he was, some, some, some stream, seemingly want to, if he was, as some seemingly want to imply, why did he represent the Enon Association at the yearly meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention in 1912, 1915, 1916, and 1917. See, C.B. Massey, while he, while he got this gospel mission plan started down there at the Dixon's Creek, and he's the first one who introduced it to him. He got it started. He was still fellowshipping the Southern Baptist Convention too. And that wasn't strange in that day and time. So as far as the two mission plans, that's true, one was a direct, one was to the board, but they both sent their monies to an individual that proceeded to send it somewhere else. It wasn't nickel worth a difference in, 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 in symmetrics of it when you go back and look at it. Why did he represent in the United Association 1940 to the Tennessee Baptist State Convention? Why? Because Elder C. Massey was also a Southern Baptist Convention preacher at this time, supporting evidently both mission methods. And that's uh, basically what we, we that, brought, that brought it down to basically where our, I guess, where our active conflict starts tonight. Now, you, you can find the, the history of uh, Dixon's Creek Church recorded in, in various places, to be honest with you. But I have noticed that most of the histories that I've read on, on Dixon's Creek Church will always, but all the authors actually go back to what Brother Calvin Gregory wrote in the Baptist flag in 1922. They just kind of repeat what Brother Calvin Gregory said in 1922, which is basically, I don't debate it being correct as far as that goes, but, but uh, when you're doing research, you really like to look at two or three places that may not actually agree on the one author that started the issue, but that, that was uh, the way it was. Uh, but however, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to receive a c copy of the 1920 Bledsoe Minutes, and some of y'all may have them, I hope you do, and you can read them. The, Dixon Creek at this time was in the Bledsoe Association. Now prior to the meeting in 1920, Dixon's Creek split over the election of Brother Calvin Gregory. I'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, but, but right now, since, since, since this happened in 20, then the lawsuit was in 21, and then Brother Calvin wrote up his article in 22, I've decided to try to take them in the order that they happened in history. I, I've been kind of perplexed on which way to go around. I started to give Brother Calvin's positions first, and I'd probably be willing to do it. And I thought, well, yeah, but his, his actually what he had to say was last. So we're going to do it this way. What happened was Dixon's Creek Church split over calling, actually over calling Brother Calvin Gregory for pastor. If you go back and look at all the records, they will all agree on this, on, on this fact here. That after Brother Claude Ramsey resigned, C.C. Ramsey, they came together as a church in December, I think it was, of 1919, and they voted for a, another pastor. 
it was at least three, I think, that was ran, only two mentioned. Well, well actually, it was only one mentioned, Brother J.H. Swan was only one mentioned. Uh, he received what they say the plurality of votes. That means he got more votes than the other two. And so they turned around and made his election unanimous, Brother J.H. Swan. So they called him in 1919. Now, he, I hope we don't think that J.H. Swan was, was not a sound preacher at that time. He had just preached. He just passed through Dixon's Creek from 1902 to 1908. I hope that we don't think he wasn't sound at that time. He'd also went down there at Old Bottom and done the mission work that constituted, he was a, he was the leading cause of Old Bottom coming into existence. So he was a, a noted as a sound preacher. He was raised up at Cornwall's Chapel, baptized there by their authority, and ordained by Cornwall's Chapel. And I Truly don't think none of us has got a problem with Cornwall's Chapel. At least I hope we don't as far as that goes. Actually, them being the church, I'm not saying we all agree on everything, but they are the Lord's church. Also, Brother J. Swan baptized in 1927. Brother William Hired in Tompkinsville Church up in Barron County, who became one of the leaders of the Baptists in that area in his lifetime. So Brother Swan was a very sound preacher. But for some reason... Uh, he couldn't meet on the day that they called him. And you know what? He asked him a very kind thing to do. Now, if the Lord wanted him to be their pastor, what he asked was not uh, uh, was not really uncalled for. He said, well, if you'll change your date, your regular meeting day, for the remainder of this year, I'll accept it. And then next year, you can have your original date back. Now, was that too much for Brother Swan to have asked? the church at Dickens Creek to have done? I don't think it would have been. At Old Macedonia, where I belong, if we called a preacher and was, was back in part-time like we used to be, and, and, and we felt like he would have been our pastor, and he asked us to change that, we would have changed it for him. And you know what would have happened? If they had to change that date, we would have never had the split of Dickens Creek Church. That's how sad this whole issue is. We would have never had all this confusion among our churches, all this disfellowship, all they had to do was make a motion to change that, that meeting date with one. Like they, it wasn't like they were burning fire up meeting every Sunday. It was only meeting one time a month. But the, but the but a majority refused to do that. They formed the day to meet to either change the date or elect another preacher. Now, now I'll read out the history. I want to, but it'll take too long. So that, being a bad weather was uh, that day, they, they decided to postpone it till the next week. Well, the next week was still bad weather, but they decided to go ahead and do it anyway. Now, Brother Calvin had been approached, and he said, I, I won't accept the church if it's a 6-7 vote or if it's a 20-25 vote. In other words, if it's that far, that far apart, uh, I won't take it. So they met together, and they, they cast their votes, there was 53, I think, showed up. 27 voted for him. 17 voted against him. And I think 9 abstained. Well, now, if you add the 9 to the 17 that abstained, then you got a, what well, is it, 20, 27 to 26 vote. So if Brother Calvin had stuck to what he agreed on, he would have never took the church to start with. But he, he didn't do that. So then we find out that there was a petition gotten up by some of the brethren. And they went and presented Brother Calvin Gregory asking him for the sake of the unity of the church, please 
don't take don't take her church because you're not a, a missionary Baptist. You're, you're of a different faith. And he said, for the sake of a church, don't take it. Well, Br- Brother Calvin didn't tell me or nay on that. And some more of the brethren of Dixon's Creek on, on the other side got with him and said, oh, this petition had 56 names, I think, on it. But the, the brethren said, well, we can get a petition up with three times that many names on it. So they got a petition up. And I'll read to you out of the Supreme, Supreme Court here in a minute uh, who, who dictated the petition and who typed it up in just a minute. But then, anyway, they got the petition up, and then they, 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 they met, met that, I think, that following week and had their, their conference uh, at the regular meeting day. They came together, and, and Brother Calvin was there, and, it just, and Brother Calvin just says there was another preacher there. I, 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 probably, I really think it was probably Brother Cap Massey, it doesn't say, but there's another preacher there. And, and he said, I've never neither accepted nor rejected the church yet. That's the way I understand him in the head. It's there. But he went ahead and preached that day. Then he had him call, call the church to, to order. And then they had to ratify his election. Now, I've been a Baptist uh, for all my life. And I've never heard of a, of a church having to ratify an election. If Brother Calvin had been elected at that so-called meeting, why did they have to turn around and ratify it then? You know, that, 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 that alone didn't make no sense to me when I read the history on that. It might be to y'all, but it made no sense to me. But nevertheless, you know, they did it back then. I don't have to agree with what they did. You know, that don't make me less a Baptist or a Baptist church, but I don't agree with what maybe they did there. But 71 voted to ratify that, his election and voted for him to be the pastor, and nobody voted against him that day. And Brother Calvin says, yet all of my opposition just about was there. Well, that may be true. But it looks like to me, you know, if he knew he had the opposition, he knew the church was going to divide over it. Why would anybody, any old-time Baptist preacher, take a church that was divided on him that he knew was going to, that was going to cause that church to divide and have all this problem? Why would he do that? I, that's the part in my mind. I, I never did know Brother Calvin. That's the part I can't understand if 56 members of the church came to me and six of them were deacons, one of them was the clerk, and I'd been called with that close to vote, and 56 of them were the petition, say, Brother Carter, for the sake of unity, don't take our church. I said, you don't have to worry about it. i got enough problems without getting involved in something like that. But the Calvin went ahead and took the church. Now, after the, the meeting, they had their meeting, one of the brethren that was what we call in the minority stood up, and he said, after y'all get through your business, We've got a few things that we want to do. And, and so when they left, Brother, Brother Gregory says he stayed around and shook hands with all, all of them and all that. And, and here, here's, here's the part that I, I thought was kind of amazing when I read something in the, in the, in the Supreme Court records I thought was kind of ironic. This one brother said to him, said, Brother Gregory said, you're a good man and you've got religion, but you're not a, a missionary Baptist. You know what Brother Calvin should have told him right then if he was a missionary Baptist? He would have said, Brother, I am a missionary Baptist. And I'm proud to be a missionary Baptist. That's what Brother Calvin should have said. All he had to say, I just don't believe in sending the mission money to a board. I believe in sending it directly to the missionary. But that doesn't make me any less a missionary than, than what you are. That's the way he should have answered that, but you know how he answered it? He said, I give a tenth of all my earnings 
uh, to missions and like things. Do you hear that much? Are we condescending on that brother? Now, I don't know how y'all take that I give 10%. I read in the Bible about somebody told, told the Lord he gave 10%. Y'all remember that? So I give tithes to all that I possess. Frankly, when I read that, I didn't see a very good attitude in what I read there. But anyway, that brother said, he said, does, does, I give this to that to you. He said, I, said, I guess that makes me more of a missionary Baptist than you. I guess it does. Well, at that time, one of the brethren had that brother to hush, and they went and proceeded, and, and they went into to their service, and the minority then elected J.M. Phillips as their pastor and changed the meeting day to suit his convenience. Now, J.M. Phillips was a very noted preacher in that day and time, folks. He wasn't somebody that was unscriptural or ungodly or did not know Baptist doctrine. He had been the moderator of the Enon Association. He had been the moderator of the Salem Association, New Salem Association and pastor several of our churches. And at this time, he was a very aged man. So he was very sound as far as, as, far as him knowing what was right and what was wrong. So there's, that, that gets us up to it. And, and brother, brother Gregory, bless his heart, in his writing, calls these ones that, that wasn't for, he said, that little band of opposers. That had a very good attitude for us, I'm concerned, to, to leave in a permanent writing. Now, all right. They passed a, a, a motion there that day. One of the brethren got up and said, I make a motion that any... Anything done at a regular conference will be out of order. That makes sense, don't it? It passed. The very next day, out of conference, they brought charges against 21 of those brethren that participated, sisters that participated in that uh, um, calling of Brother J.M. Phillips. Now, folks, if they made a motion that anything done out of conference is out of order, wouldn't have they had to wait till the next conference to brought these people up by Baptist rules and doctrine and parliamentary law? But they would have done what they wanted to do. They excluded them, and then in uh, June of the same year, I think it was, the majority got an injunction against the minority to where they could not uh, use the, the building. And I'm going to tell you, none of us here tonight lived back then. None of us are responsible for what happened back then. And there's none of us here tonight that can go back and ever change what happened back then. But the things happened at Dickens Creek, folks, the way I'm reading it in history, that was as bad as what happened in the Civil War when brothers and sisters turned. I'm talking about actual little brothers and sisters turned against each other. And all that, that was a very sad time for that community and, and, the, and the roundabout. But now... As bad as the Southern Baptist Convention was, and I'll read you what Brother Gregory says about here in a minute, as bad and how sorry it was and how ungodly and how anybody that gives support to it is giving, giving support to the lie and all that, did you know that Brother Calvin Gregory and the majority of Dickens Creek sent messengers to the Blood Soul Association to be seated and recognized that, that year in 1920? If it's that ungodly, why would Brother, why would Brother Calvin Gregory want to, to still participate in that? The minority also with J.M. Phillips petitioned the association. Now, I'm going to be honest with you all folks. When I grew up as a young preacher, I, I, didn't, I was taught that, that, that there was no old-fashioned church 
ever fellowship that little band of excluded members that called themselves Cato. I was raised and taught that. When I got this document, I went to the archives at Nashville, the Southern Baptist Archives, and copied the Bledsoe Menace and got this. I, I was surprised to learn that uh, what I had been taught was misinformation. And I'm going to show you why it was misinformation. If no old-fashioned missionary Baptist church ever fellowshiped that little band of excluded members up there, then pray tell me, you explain what we're fixing to read to you right now. The minutes of the Bledsoe Association convened at Chestnut Grove, August 18, 1920. Dixon's Creek Church, having sent two letters and, and sets of messengers asking for recognition, the moderator appointed the following committee to investigate the claims of each faction and report at their earliest convenience. Elder J.T. Oakley, A.H. Huff, and A.D. Robertson. And I might add that all three of these brethren was very well respected brethren. If you ever get a chance to read a Baptist Catechism uh, by J.N. Hall, you get that because J.T. Oakley edited that. Boy, it is rich. If you get a chance to get one and read. J.T. Oakley was a strong old-time Baptist in his day and time and highly respected and was pastor of this church right here in 1920 to 1925 when all these problems came out. So, so you, and to be honest, y'all supported the, the minority. Now, the association then returned to the house and the first item of business was the report of the Committee of Dixon's Creek trouble as follows. We, your committee, to whom was referred the letters from Dixon's Creek Church, submit the following report. We find from publications in the Baptist flag the minutes of the Kentucky-Tennessee General Association of Gospel Mission Baptist, other minutes and verbal testimony presented by representative chosen to represent each fact in the following facts. Previous to the division of the church, the church voted to attempt to raise $5,000 in the 75 million campaign for our Baptist schools, state, home, and foreign missions, Baptist orphans' homes, Baptist hospitals, and old and worn out Baptist ministers. I thought about that a whole lot. Have, have y'all ever thought back then that there was no such thing as Social Security? There was no such thing as SSI for people to, that, that were poor and paupers to get by on? There was no Medicaid, or there was no Medicare back then. You know, there was no funding for schools and education by our government back then to amount to anything. And besides that, doesn't the Bible teach us as old-time Baptists that it's our responsible to take the, care of the widows and the orphans and, and educate people religiously? Isn't that our responsibility and those that are sick to take care? Isn't that a responsibility? Amen. But yet, Brother Calvin Gregory opposed them raising this money for this work. And Brother Calvin even went so far in the Enon Association says that, that at 96 cents out of every dollar that you give, they put in their pocket. Talking about Southern Baptist Convention. And only four cents goes to where you want it to go. I don't know where Brother Gregory got his figures at, but he sure didn't get them from where they should have been gotten. All right, it says here, Soon afterwards, Elder Calvin Gregory, a gospel mission Baptist and clerk of the Kentucky-Tennessee General Association of Gospel Mission Baptists began a slanderous and false crusade in the church against the raising of this fund, telling people it was one of earth's greatest abominations and ever Baptist 
who contributed to it gave to the lie, to the Baptist, and to the Bible. On account of, of the abominable things fostered by the Southern Baptist Convention, on account of this slanderous attack on our own Bledsoe Association of Missionary Baptists, the state and Southern Baptist conventions, quite a number of good but uninformed brethren were led to believe that the 75 meeting campaign was a trick gotten up by a convention clique to rob the people and embezzle their funds, believing that out of every dollar they collected for benevolence, they would put 96 cents in their own pockets and send only 4 cents to the missionaries or purposes for which the money was collected. These brethren, thus misled by the slanderous and false statements, began boosting Elder Gregory as a suitable man for pastor of the church. At a regular meeting set by the church for calling a pastor a private ballot resulted in the election of Jay Swan, whose election was made unanimous. On account of other works, Elder Swan notified the church he could not serve on second Sunday and suggested that the church would change the day to suit his convenience he would accept, and at the close of the present year, he would give them the second Sunday of their old day. In the meantime, the Gregory faction learned uh, Elder Swan stood with the regular Baptists in their organized work and began advocating no change of day to suit Elder Swan's convenience and thus created another chance to elect Elder Gregory pastor. The church in regular conference set a called meeting to either change the day or elect another pastor. The day came, but owing to snow and cold, nobody attended the meeting. The following week, an, an unauthorized meeting by the church was gotten up privately, at which some 53 out of the membership of 424 attended and voted not to change the day, and then 27 elected Elder Gregory Pastor, 17 voting against him. A few days later, a petition signed by six deacons, the clerk, treasurer, and 50-odd members of the church was presented to Elder Gregory asking for the sake of peace and harmony uh, in the church that he declined the call of the 27 at the gotten up call meeting. He turned it down and was pre and present at the next regular meeting, rat rallying his, his followers to ratify the work of 20, the 27. He succeeded in getting 71 out of 424 members to ratify his call. <laughs> when put it that way, it don't sound good, does it? But it was the majority that attended that day, the majority rules. Is that plain and simple? The brethren who cooperated with our association, the Tennessee Baptist Convention and the Southern Baptist Convention, seeing the determination of Gregory's followers to fasten upon the church as pastor an enemy of this association and Baptist Brotherhood in their organized work, took no part in this ratification meeting, knowing it meant a division in the church. After it's adjournment. The brethren cooperating with the regular Baptist met in church. On the regular meeting day, held devotional services, met in business session, and elected J.M. Phillips, a regular missionary Baptist in good standing and full of fellowship, and cooperating with the regular missionary Baptist as pastor. To suit his convenience, the days of meetings were changed from the second Sundays to Saturday before the fourth Sundays, and Saturdays before the meeting adjourned. A month later, Gregory faction unanimously voted to withdraw from the Bledsoe Association. <laughs> and yet he went back, didn't he? So they voted then to withdraw, and then they went back and petitioned anyway. As a missionary Baptist at the same meeting turned out 18, and still a month later turned out three or more, or 21, in all good and loyal Baptists, as can be found, and for simple reason, they refused to take part in ratifying the call of 27 members for a man for pastor. 
who is an outspoken enemy of the regular organized work of missionary Baptists for which the church has ever stood. Just here, your committee will quote some utterances from, from Elder Gregory to show why a loyal missionary Baptist in Dixon's Creek Church could not, would not, did not, and will not endorse him as pastor. He called the brethren who co cooperate with our association a little band of conventionites, guilty of slimy methods, who will stop nothing short of murder. Conventionalism, of which Bledsoe Association is a part, will misrepresent, it will practice deception and fraud, it will rob the people, it will lie, it will embezzle the people's funds, it will steal, it is one of the greatest grafting machines ever known among the masses, it is an unbaptist robbing machine, an institution unknown to the Bible, a little click, and conventionalism is the same everywhere. Can you imagine a Baptist preacher saying that about his Baptist brethren? In 1914, they were all in the same association. And now you have a Baptist preacher that says this about his brethren and his sisters that didn't agree with him on this gospel mission plan. I'm going to be honest with all of y'all here today. There's not, a, there's not a Baptist church in this country that supports the Gospel Mission Baptist plan. Not one. It's all gone. These statements appear above his own signature in the Baptist flag, April 29th, and partially repeated in the same paper, July the 15th, 1920. There's where you can read it if you want to. H.A. Rosto, a fellow Gospel missioner and a fellow missionary with Gregory himself of the Kentucky Tennessee General Association of Gospel Mission Baptist, joined Elder Gregory in denouncing the Baptists in their work, organized work, and says they are demons. Who are the Baptists that support the convention back then? They're demons. Fellowship everything but true Baptists, like the Negro polecat. They will stink themselves to death. They will rot in their own sins. The Southern Baptist Convention and its two big boards is the beast of Revelation 13 and 11. Conventionalism and Catholicism are twin sisters of one father. Neither of them is in any way supported by the word of God. And ere long, Calvin Gregory and the rest of them would have been uh, finding any scriptures to support the mission way that they were going to, folks. If he could scriptures have supported his, then he would have scriptures supported the others. See the Baptist flag, April 15, 1920. In view of these and numerous other false and slanderous utterances of Gregory himself and his fellow missionary uh, Rosto, which are endorsed by the Gregory faction at Dixon's Creek, your committee is unanimously agreed that that part of Dixon's Creek Church refusing to force upon ch the church Calvin Gregory's pastor an avowed enemy of our association and our organized work carried on by the State Baptist Convention of the South and... A month or two afterward, the vision on the charge no, condition were perfectly justified and their so-called exclusion a month or two months after the vision on the charge of contempt to the church was unjust, unbaptistic, unfair, uncalled for, and especially unscriptural since those excluded stood and still stand where Dixon's Creek Church has ever stood in its missionary and denominational work and the excludees themselves the departed from the faith and the practice of the church. Pretty plain. That Elder Gregory 
has departed from the faith and practice of the regular missionary Baptists in their organized work. The following facts are cited. Number one, Mount Tabor Church, of which he is a member, has denounced the work of our Southern Baptist Convention and Southern, uh, and Southern Baptist Convention and joined the Kentucky-Tennessee General Association of Gospel Mission Baptist and sent Gregory as a messenger to its meeting at Johnson Grove, September 1st last. See the Men's Asset Association, page one. Gregory himself says, he is the only pastor in the New Salem Missionary Baptist Association who is a gospel missioner. And his church, the Hogan's Creek Church, is the only church and said association that did not support the 75 million campaign. See Baptist flag, February 19, 1920. The United Association, of which Elder Gregory is a member last year at Mason Hill, voted to turn down all the work of the Tennessee Baptist Convention. See flag. September 18, 1919, the Men's United Association, 1919, pages 2, 5, and 6. In a word, Elder Gregory and the faction gone off with him repudiate all Baptist schools, hospitals, orphan homes, all our mission work, and our old minister's fund. <laughs> I'm an old minister now. That might look, might, might look good to an old preacher like me. See the minister of the Kentucky Tennessee General Association and Gospel Mission Baptist, of which Gregory himself is clerk, pages 4, 5, 6, and 7. Reading this, and you listening to me today, can y'all ask me what in the world Brother Calvin Gregory and Brother Cat Madison from our area here was going all the way over to uh, Crockett County, Tennessee, a little community called Alamo, to a little church called Johnson Grove, and going to an organization of a different denomination? Can y'all explain that to me? See, this minority said they couldn't support Calvin Gregory because he was no longer a missionary Baptist. Calvin Gregory himself says, I'm a gospel mission. They were, they were saying the truth. Gregory himself says to his faction to steer clear of the 75 million campaign as one of Earth's greatest abominations fostered by a clique of conventionists who will steal, lie, rob, embezzle, defraud, deceive, graft, and stop at nothing short of murder and it's the same everywhere. Thus branding our association as a clique of liars, embezzlers, defrauders, robbers, and murderers. Mount Tabor should have called him in, folks. He wrote that publicly in the Baptist flag. Mount Table, he belonged, should have censored him over this, but they didn't. I wouldn't try that old Macedon where I belong and expect to get by with the next conference. Your committee finds the following facts regarding Phillips faction. Number one, it, it loyally subscribes to and supports Article 2 of our Constitution, which says the object of this association shall be to promote the general missionary benevolent educational and, and Sunday school work as carried on by the Tennessee State Convention and the Southern Baptist Convention. It stands exactly where the Dixon's Creek Church has always stood in its missionary education benevolent work, having always been represented in association and only association cooperating with the organized work now carried on by the Baptist State Convention and the Southern Baptist Convention. In faith and practice, it stands exactly where the church has always stood and is in hearty accord with the Baptist fundamentals. It stands with the Bledsoe Association, the Tennessee Baptist Convention, and the Southern Baptist Convention, and the General Baptist Brotherhood in faith and practice. As the Phillips faction, 
stands wallowly where the church and brotherhood have always stood and the Gregory faction has departed and joined a gospel mission faction of recent, recent origin, we unanimously recommend the seating of the Phillips faction as the true and original Dixon's Creek Church. Respected, respectfully submitted J.T. Oakley Chairman, A.H. Huff, and A.D. Robertson. Without discussion, the above was unanimously adopted by the roll call of each church and then by a unanimous rising vote. The Gregory faction left immediately for home. Now, if, if, any way you want to look at it, now, how could anybody say that nobody has ever recognized this excluded minority as being a church when you just see a whole association did? Now, somebody is inconsistent with their histories that they wrote in, in, in the 20th century Baptist folks. Just that plain and that simple. Now, that's really how the Bledsoe Association dealt with this problem. I have a copy here. I'm, I'm sure this, uh, th- th- I'm not the only one who got a copy of this. It, it says it's a, uh, it was filed December 21st, 1921, David S. Landon Clark, uh, by J.J. Gregory et al. versus C.J. Beasley et al. And it's actually the copy of, it's a copy of, of what happened at the lawsuit where the majority of Dixon's Creek, after they were rejected at the association, filed against the minority. Now, Brethren, I don't mean to, to pick on nobody, but did Brother Gregory not understand First uh, Corinthians 6 and 1? Did he not understand that? Where, where it says plainly for brethren not to go to a court of law? Now, Brother Gregory was, was, a, was moder- uh, no, he was clerk of the Wiseman so- of the Enon Association. He was highly esteemed. Did he not understand that the Lord himself told his, his church and his people not to be taking each other to a, a court of law before the unbelievers? And then he didn't understand it. I've often puzzled this. In, in my study, and I've, I've been, as you say, I wrote that first article in 2004 and thought it, and I've pondered a lot since then. Why didn't Dixon's Creek and Brother Calvin Gregory call for a council of churches to, to work this problem out? Wouldn't that have been the Baptist way of doing it? Isn't that the way they did in Acts 15? When the church at Antioch had a problem because some of the brethren from Jerusalem there and saying you, you can't be a bad unless you're circumcised. So they went up there and had a council over this. And they worked the problem out. Why didn't Brother Calvin Gregory, for the sake of unity, call a council of churches? Could it be because uh, six, six, 15 or 16 churches in a council meeting had already branded him uh, out of order? I will say this, in the Enon minutes I read in 1920, in, in, in their session, they see the Bledsoe Creek uh, Church, I mean the Bledsoe Creek Association, as their sister association. They, and they made this statement, that the only seat to uh, churches that weren't out of order in practice. And I thought about that. Well, who were they talking about? Because the only faction that had been ruled out of order in practice was the majority of Dixon's Creek. I mean, I, 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 I didn't write this history. That's just what he on minute said. So since the minority was not ruled out of order in practice, and the majority was, was the Enon Association in 1920 saying that we can't sit anybody in the majority? I don't know because it's not clear. 
But that was the only ones out of order. Now, according to the lawsuit, I hear a lot about that. Do you know what the lawsuit was for? Who got the property? That's all it was. It didn't settle who was ecclesiastically right scripturally, like some people want to argue. All it was for was to settle who got the property. I'm not a lawyer. I ain't even a scholar of law. I'm an old-time Baptist. And I understand in a Baptist church, the, minority, the majority rules, right or wrong, and the minority has to, has to submit to the majority in a democracy unless a cardinal doctrine is involved. I understand that. I understand the minority should have submitted itself to the majority. But here they felt like a cardinal doctrine would be involved. Whether it was or not, you know, that's argumentative. You want to be honest with you? The, the church at Dixon's Creek, what we call the, the, the bridge, is an old-fashioned Baptist church, always has been. But by Baptist doctrine, so, so is the little group that's up there in the Cato community, by Baptist doctrine, has always been a church too. Always has been. Now you say, oh, Brother Carl, you're wrong on that. Well, let me, let me point this out to you. The Bledsoe Association unanimously recognized Cato as being the true church. They called J.M. Phillips, and he had no problem at all taking them as a pastor. When, he, when, when the lawsuit was, or when the junction was filed, then he, 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 he didn't come back, I don't think, from what I'm finding in history. But they called next, they called A.D. Robinson, born at Quorum's Hill, well-respected in, in, in the uh, Wilson County, Salem, and, and, and the Bledsoe and Siloam Association, and he pastored them for two years. And this, I think, it's the 1924. Then they called Brother G. W. Ramsey as their pastor. And he belonged at Russell Hill. And Russell Hill didn't have a problem with Brother Ramsey back then pastoring what we call Cato. They might not want to admit it now, but, but the New Saber record shows it. Brother, Brother Ramsey, Pastor Cato, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. Did you know in 1926, Elder George Ramsey was seated in the Enon Association as a visitor. And they knew he was pastoring what we call Cato. And he sat right there with Luther Stewart, who was pastoring the Brick Church at Dixon's Creek. He sat right there with Calvin Gregory, Cap Massey, A.J. Sloan, J.E. McDonald, and all the leading preachers. And none of them in 1926 had a problem seating with George Ramsey, who was pastoring Dixon's Creek at Cato. It wasn't a problem back then. Not like it is now. The one that fathered Brother George Ramsey. Oh, wait, oh, no, 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 no. Let me get this back. George Ramsey in 1929 and 1930, A.D. Robson back was the pastor of the church at Cato by the records. Then in 1931, George Ramsey was back as the pastor in 1931. Still a member of Russell Hill. The only change in, in, in the schematic, well, it wasn't really changed because in 1928 and 29, Elder J.E. McDonald was pastoring Russell Hill. George Ramsey was pastoring Cato in 28, and yet Brother, Brother J. McDonald didn't have a problem going Russell Hill where George Ramsey belonged and pastor him. Oh, what a tangle we would be. So now in 1931, George Ramsey goes back to Cato as pastor. The only remarkable thing that happened that year that's recorded in history, Brother R.D. Brother Brooks gives it in his history book. During the revival, he got under conviction. Boy, he gives a beautiful testimony in that book. And the Lord gloriously saved his soul. And he joined the Dixon's Creek there at Cato and was baptized in 1931 
by Elder George Ramsey, who was a member of Russell Hill, whose pastor was Jay McDonald. Do you know who the, the, Brother Jay McDonald's pastor then was? He's still at Union, Brother Floyd Lambert. None of them brethren had a problem with that back then, Now, Brother uh, Brother C. Carter, Carlos Carter, followed Brother George Ramsey in 1930. I've got a little bit here if I can find it real quick on Brother Carlos Carter. Uh, I will find it. Let's see here. C.C. Ramsey, C.E. Ramsey. C.E. Carter, Carlos Carter, baptized by Elder James Rich at the Beach Grove Number 2, Barron County. Barron River Association. Monroe County, I mean. He was ordained by Beach Grove Number 2 to the ministry. He was moderator of the Barron River Association in 1934, 1935, 1949, and 1950. He preached before the Barron River and Allen Associations. He passed the churches in the Barron River, Allen, Liberty, Bledsoe Associations, Elder C.E. Carter began to pastor Dickens Creek, Cato in 1932 and continued to pastor through 1954. We notice while he was pastoring Cato for 22 years, he also pastored Pleasant Hill in Barron County from 1929 to 1936. Cedar Cross in Allen County from 1947 to 1950. Summershade in Metcalf County from 1937 to 1942. Beach Grove in Liberty Association 1948. Beach Grove in the Barron River Association 1948. Caney Fork in the Barron River Association 4851. Freedom Number 1 in the Barron River Association in 1948. Missionary Maryland in the Barron River Association 58 to 48 to 58 to 51. We notice that William Howard was the moderator of Barron River Association 51 following Elder, Elder C.E. Carter. Now, Brother Carter recognized the church at Dickens Creek as being a, a scriptural church. All these other churches that he pastored while he was pastoring recognized the little group there in the Cato as being a scriptural Baptist church. His home church that baptized and ordained him recognized that his church as being a scriptural church. So when somebody makes the statement, no old-fashioned church has ever recognized the baptisms of this body, they're not telling the truth that we wrote that, or else they didn't understand the history. Now the next man that, that pastored Cato, uh, to my understanding, was a brother by the name of C.T. Ellis. He was ordained at Dover Baptist Church located on Highway 31E at Haywood, Barron County, County, Kentucky in 1936. I've helped in revivals at that church. It's old-fashioned. Uh, they lean a little bit toward, I would think, uh, 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 Calvinism but, but never, at that time, but nevertheless, they're still an old-fashioned church. Brother Ellis began to pastor Dixon Creek, Cato, in 1953 and remained in 1969. He was a member of Dover Baptist Church. He also pastored Pleasant Home, Beaver Creek, Papa Springs, Cedar Cliff, Union 2, Scaith Creek, and Cedar Cross. Was he sound? All these churches, he's pastoring. At the same time, he's pastoring. See, there's only a quarter time back then. The preachers pastored everywhere. Whether they like it or not, 
they had a sound preacher. The next one they had is Brother Frank Harlow, which also began at, at, at the Dover. Uh, he the same place Brother Ellis. I don't know as much about Brother Harlow, even though I personally knew him. I've been in, in, in sister's home uh, during revivals up when they opened the meetings. He's a very, very fine fellow. And when he told me he was pastoring Dixon's Creek, then I thought, no, he's not Thomas Carter. Yet. But I didn't, I didn't argue with him because I didn't realize the, the case back then. Uh, they had another pastor by the name of Gary Fields. Uh, he belonged, well, I, 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 the church he belonged to, I can't think right now, uh, but it's up in, in, in Metcalf County. It's sound. Uh, big matter. Big matter. And this church here has a young preacher pastor in there right now, I believe. They, that was used to be right here. It's a sound church also. And then after that is Brother Dean Taylor. And he passed the first. Well, there might have been for someone I know of. Dean Taylor, and he belonged over to uh, uh, Grider Memorial. And we all fellowshiped there. As a matter of fact, I've sit in ordination with Brother Grizzle at, at uh, Mount Lebanon when, uh, when he was seated there. So, so you know, what's, what's the argument on that? Now, so that takes care of uh, was it was Cato ever recognized as a church? Certainly it was. May not may not by the ones right around there that supported Brother Gregory, but they were by everybody else. And that's the key to it. Now, lawsuit, page one. This bill sought to enjoin the defendants from interfering with the possession and control of the church property located at Dixon's Creek in the second civil district of Trousdale County. The question involved is a church controversy. That's all it was for, property rights. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get into all of this. Actually, it gives, it gives everything I've already given you on the lawsuit and things. Uh, I want to give this to you because I found this to be interesting on the lawsuit. You remember I told you about 57 signed a petition and trying to get to Brother Gregory did not take the church? Uh, let, let me read here what it says to you. So 27 would be a majority of 53 conference adjourned. The 17 members who were voted against Calvin calling Gregory shortly after said conference prepared a petition and circulated the same among the members asking Reverend Gregory not to accept the pastor. This petition was signed by 56 members. A counter petition was then gotten up out of which was dictated by the Reverend C.B. Massey. Well, didn't Brother Gregory say the church themselves said they could get a petition up? What would Brother Captain Massey down there uh, dictating a petition? I'm not saying that. This lawsuit is what's saying that. Who was not a member of Dixon Creek Church, but who appears to be an older preacher than Reverend Gregory in years and experience and a good friend of Gregory. The petition was dictated by Reverend Massey, was written on a typewriter by the Reverend Calvin Gregory. Brother Gregory got his own petition up to be signed. And yet he tried to play to us in, in his writings that it was the church's idea to do. It might have been the church's idea, but surely out of, out of that group of, of good brethren at Dixon's Creek, one of them would have known how to wrote a petition up without getting Brother Calvin Gregory, the moderator of the United Association, and Brother Calvin Gregory, the clerk of the United Association, wanted to dictate it and let them type it up so they could sign it. There, there, there's, there's a lot in that I ain't going to have time to get to. 
Well, it, there is one, one or two other things I do on, on the lawsuit I'd like to get to. Uh, got them. Page nine of the lawsuit. I'm going to read this to you. Okay. In the lawsuit, it says, after the adjournment of this congregational meeting, was said to one members of this congregational meeting of the church or, or organization voted to, for the Reverend Mr. Gregory, one of their members, Mr. John Cothran, who opposed the election of Gregory, announced that there would be another meeting, and the defendants and their sympathizers did not stay after the meeting adjourned, and the defendants proceeded to an organization and elected one J.M. Phillips. By Baptist doctrine, the courts of the law understood that when this minority came together in an organized form, that they were a church. Now, we might not recognize that, some of us, but by what Baptist doctrine teaches, and of course the law understand what Baptist doctrines teach on things, because if we don't abide by our own doctrines, they'll, they'll help us out with our members that we wrongfully do. So they said they proceeded into an organization and elected one J.M. Phillips as pastor of the church. Something to think about. To those that said, oh, but they never did organize. Well, the court said they did. Of course, they argued on it. They said they didn't have to organize because they, they weren't the ones that parted from the faith. Uh, I want to read this. Because this right here really touched my heart, and I hope it does everybody's here tonight. Closing out of this uh, lawsuit and the appeal, the judges, we are of the opinion that the complainants, which were the majority, are not entirely without fault in this unfortunate litigation. To err is human, to forgive partakes of the divine. May therefore be a forgiving and forgetting by the parties interested herein. We trust restoration will succeed exposure. Brotherly love supplant contention, and harmony will take the place of strife. May these parties adhere to the biblical admonition. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, that, that's an original lawsuit. There was an appeal. Y'all know about that, don't you? I've got to read you some things out of the appeal uh, to clarify these things here today. Uh, on page 7 of the appeal, it says, At this meeting, the name Reverend Gregory was proposed for the pastor of the church by, by his relative, J.J. Gregory, and he was opposed by a considerable number of members present on the ground that he was not a missionary Baptist preacher, but a gospel mission Baptist preacher, and that he was not sound in faith practices, uses, principles, and customs of missionary Baptist church. Upon a vote taken, this gospel mission Baptist preacher received 27 votes. There were 17 who voted against him and 9 who did not vote. This was not a regular meeting of the church conference, but a call meeting. There were usually about 100 members present at the meeting for the selection of a pastor before this. Those who opposed the, the, the selection of Reverend Gregory as pastor stated they would favor any missionary Baptist. Can you imagine that? The minority telling the majority, Brethren, 
we'll support any missionary Baptist that y'all want. If y'all don't want the one we, we selected, well, we'll support the one you want to if he's a missionary Baptist. Was that too much? But no, the majority had the upper hand of who they were, and I know how that works in church, and y'all do too, when it's like that. They had the upper hand, they had their will and bust on, and they did that. But, it took, but to select the preacher of a different denomination, the Gospel Mission Baptist, would not be binding upon them, and, and, and they could not consider it. Before the next meeting of the church, a petition was signed by 56, and we'll go through all that. Oh. Now, Brother Calvin Gregory says in the Baptist flag that he, was, he had to spend about six hours in depositions. You, you know what that means? That means that he had to be sworn under oath to tell the truth about things. He might, he, he might confer John just talking to you and I out here in public. But when he got in the court or got under, in that deposition, he had to tell the truth as point of perjury. It says here uh, that Brother Gregor said, We recommend that all our people still clear of the 75 million drive. This is on page 10. Because of the Roger William Memorial Fund and, and many other false and abominable things fostered by the Southern Baptist Convention. For all who contribute to this convention drive are made to support this fund, which gives the lie to our fathers and the Bible. The Reverend Gregory gives a long, lengthy deposition in the effect that admits that the Gospel Mission Baptist Church is a different and distinct body from the missionary Baptist churches. And referring to the minutes of the association just quoted, he is asked, question. Now this minute of this association shows that it is com was composed of gospel mission Baptist, does it not? Brother Gregory. That is the name used there, all, used only as an adjective describing the Baptist. I don't care what, what it's used as. He was denying being a missionary Baptist at that point under oath. Any way you look at it. He was denying being a missionary Baptist. The minority of what they were saying about him was true. And he admits it under oath. That is the name. Has that the only meaning that word gospel mission has simply a descriptive adjective? Brother Gregory, we are Baptist. That is used as a descriptive adjective describing Baptist. Question. There are a great many of Baptists, are there not? There are Gospel Mission Baptists, there are Free Will Baptists, there are Primitive Baptists, there are, this is supposed to be said Missionary Baptists, says Gospel Mission again. Are there not? Brother Gregory says, yes, sir. Brother Gregory here under oath was putting the, the, the Free Will Baptist, the Primitive Baptist, the Gospel Mission Baptist, uh, and, and Missionary all under the same heading of Baptist. Now he knew better than that. He knew that the free will Baptist doctrine was not our doctrine. He knew they felt they believed in falling from grace. He knew what the primitive Baptist taught, that, that God elected in eternity to save uh, those in, uh, certain ones and, and a covenant of redemption gave them to his son and only those would be saved in time. Brother Gregory knew better than that, or should have. But he said it anyway. He's putting all the Baptists together and that works out to the good for him later because see, all these Baptists are mission-minded. So if he had led the majority off after the general Baptist, he would still won, won the, the, the building because they were Baptists believing in missions. See? All right. There have been 
there are many kinds of Baptists, are there not? There are gospel. Yes, sir. And all of these denominations have their distinct differences, do they not? The missionary Baptist and gospel mission Baptist differ in some extent, but their differences are only on how to mission work. There are some differences. And he goes on to say, I see here, the Reverend Gregory on page 53 of the record terms the organized work of the missionary Baptist unscriptural. For he says, I speak for myself and my brethren. So he's not identifying himself as a missionary Baptist here. He's identifying himself as a gospel mission Baptist. We follow the New Testament plan. I presume the defendants will believe in the organized work that they contend for. On page 70, it said record, Reverend Gregory states, in the Baptist flag of July 1st, 1920, page 5, question, I will ask you if you wrote an article in that paper, Brother Gregory. I don't remember the exact date. I wrote an article in July sometime in 1920, it seems to me. <laughs> I read that article. I don't blame him for not wanting to remember it. Question, I will ask you if you wrote this language. I am mailing to the various churches represented in the Kentucky Tennessee General Association of Baptists letters for the next meeting of this body of this body of independent Baptists. Answer, I think I wrote that in the paper. At page 74 of the record, the Reverend Gregory says, I mean, I am an independent gospel mission Baptist. Now, he said that under oath. Was the minority of Dixon Creek correct in saying that, that, he had, that he had started a new denomination? Now, I'm going to be honest. I've studied the history on that. That denomination didn't, didn't pan out. I don't think Dixon's Creek ever wore the name Gospel Mission Baptist Church. I've never seen it in their records. I don't think Mount Tabor ever was recognized as Mount Tabor Gospel Mission Baptist Church. But Brother Calvin Gregory intended, evidently, to start a new denomination, and it failed. Isn't that sad? Anyway, I think that's enough to, to get, get those, those points there across. What we're just simply saying here tonight, that was a hard time for those good people down in that area, and it's still a hard time for them today. Each side believed the other was unscriptural for years. Both of them, both of them believed they were the ones that was right for years. For two years, while this lawsuit was going on, the majority of Dixon's Creek remained of an association. According to the records I can find, if, of course, we've got some of the brethren here tonight, and I'll be glad for them to correct me on, on, on anything I'm speaking that's wrong. I don't want to be wrong on any of these issues. They're too, they're too, they're too important. But, but Dixon's Creek remained for those two years out, out of the fellowship of the associations. When the lawsuit was settled, Brother Gregory put in the Baptist flag. And basically, uh, I'm, I'm not going to read all that again that, that we've already discussed. I do want to read the closing things that he, that he had to say. Uh, and I want you to listen very carefully to what Brother Gregory said. Now, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've read a lot about Brother Gregory, and I've even got a portion of his library at my house. And I've got his debate books. I've got his notes. 
The man was a staunch Baptist in his lifetime. I really think that he made a mistake back there in 1920. I really believe he was wrong in some of the things that, that he might have been trying to do. And furthermore, I believe he realized the direction he was going was wrong because there was no such thing as the Independent Gospel Mission Baptist Church anymore. I think he, I believe he, he corrected all that and became a, a great leader amongst us. But that doesn't settle the problem that this issue happened between that good church and those good people. Fred Gregory says in, in the Baptist flag in 1922, there, now there is no cause for our vain glory. In other words, we as a majority at, at Dixon Creek won the lawsuit. We won it on every point. That, that, that was up. Well, the only points that was up was the property rights, folks. I, I, I should read that to you. I want to quote it to you. The, the lawsuit plainly said that, that they could not settle uh, anything but who was right and who was wrong. Even those that were excluded, they couldn't even settle if they was rightfully or wrongfully excluded. The courts can't do that. They can't interfere in those things. The only thing they could settle was the property rights. Who got the building? Who got the songbooks? Who got the minutes? And folks, the majority will always get that. There's no way around it. All these good brethren back there, all this hating and despite and everything, for in vain. The minority should have just went on up there and, and let it go. But now, they were sued. They had to answer the suit. They had no choice. The majority took them to court. Now, Brother Gregory says, there is no, there is no cause for our vain glory we only a sorrow for our zealous but misguided brethren. Oh, oh by the way, according to Bledsoe Creek's minutes, maybe good brethren from uh, Dixon's Creek can go look this up for us. But according to the Bledsoe Creek minutes in 1920, uh, the Dixon Creek that was seated had 100 members in it. Nobody saved that year. Nobody joined the letter. Nobody... Uh, Died. Nobody uh, was granted a letter. Total membership 100. Now, if, if that minute is correct, then there wasn't there wasn't only 21 that went with the minority. There was 100 of them that went with the minority. And you can pretty well figure it out if you go to what Brother Gregory put in the Enon minutes in 1922 when Enon joined uh, when Dixie joined the Enon. He gives a two-year period there. You can take what members they had before the split. The ones he said got saved and baptized during the split added to it, take a hundred off and it's about where their membership was in, in 1922. So it works out that way. So there was more involved to it than just the 21 that the brethren started ar arguing. Now he says here, now there is no cause for our vainglory. We feel only a sorrow for our zealous but misguided brethren. We are of the opinion that had they been left to themselves, they would not have acted, they would have acted differently. But the advice of supposed friends led them astray, and the church was forced to deal with them. We could not, teach, could not reach those really responsible for the stand they took. May the Lord bind up the wounds and lead these erring ones back to the fold. The church was prospered even under the circumstances described in the letter. I had baptized 92 persons into the fellowship of the church during the two years. I have served as pastor of the grand old church. I have held two revivals with this people and the Lord has graciously blessed us with about a hundred conversions since this disturbance began. 
The church was reluctant to enter into a lawsuit, knowing the opportunities this given to, to an unbelieving world to heap reproach upon the cause of our Lord. The church did not hold a secret session during all this trouble, but in every act and deed were open to the world. Special prayer was offered more than on one occasion that right might prevail and that God's will might be done. We were willing to give up what was our, we considered our rights and our liberties and property if such was God's will. And to this end we prayed. God has heard us and vindicated us. God's hand has led us through the darkness of the light of a fairer and better day. Unto him be honor and glory and majesty. So what Brother Gregor, I guess, is saying here that uh, Dixie Creek had no choice but to, to, to transgress what God said for him not to do in the Bible and go ahead and sue the brother court. They couldn't call the council and try to resolve it like Baptist Orchard called and done it. They couldn't do that. They'd go to court to do it. And because the court ruled in their favor, God vindicated them, made it right for them to do that. Brethren, I don't, I don't agree with Brother Calvin's writings here on this. I don't agree that God vindicated them because they won the lawsuit. But now, the, the sad part of that, even at this point, Dixon's Creek was still out of an association. They still didn't have the fellowship amongst the people. So what, Dixon Creek had a problem. What are we going to do now? Well, if you look, if you look at, at the, at the geographics of things, Dixon's Creek lay in the area that was the Wiseman's territory, Wiseman Association. So what Dixon's Creek should have done is go and petition the Wiseman Baptist Association for a seat because they were in that territory. Now go back and say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving you something that's not Baptist customs in that damn time. Did you know back then if, if a church wanted to leave an association, they asked for a letter of dismission. And the association would grant it and they take that letter of dismission to a sister association and petition and join. You'll find that at least in Enon, I know three times, Russell Hill, uh, Mount Tabor, and Cornwall Chapel. All three asked for letters of dismission and they end up joining the New Salem Association. But here Dixon Creek was, they didn't have a letter of dismission because the church rejected them that they belonged to and said they, they had departed the faith. They didn't go to the Wiseman Association for some reason. But I did read in the minutes of uh, the Enon Association that they appointed a committee to get with the brethren of the Wiseman Association to try to work out some problems. I was kind of wondering what their problem was. They didn't state it. But anyway, Dixon's Creek did go in 1922 and petitioned the Enon Association for membership. There's nothing wrong with that. But did you know that according to the minutes, they appointed a committee, I think maybe five brethren, five or six, to investigate Dixon's Creek standing because Dixon Creek told the Enon Association, the church that they belonged to, said they were no longer a church. So the, so the association appointed the committee and they investigated. And they came back with this finding. That we, we, we believe that Dixon Creek is a Baptist church and has a right to a seat in our association. You know, I, I believe in Baptist doctrine, and I agree with the committee. Dixon Creek was a Baptist church. So here we have it, folks. We have the Bledsoe Association unanimously 
recognizing the church at Cato as, as a true church. We have all these other associations around Cato. Uh, so it would be a, it would be Salem, New Salem, Wilson County, Allen County up our house, Barron County Association, uh, the the Simpson County, the Warren County. All these other associations recognize the Church of Cato as being a sound church. Had no problem with their preachers coming there and pastoring. And now we have the Enon Association recognizing the majority of the church and should. And that's where she remained for many years. Doctrinally speaking, both of them are very sound. I don't know of anything doctrinally that either one of these churches teach that's not scriptural. Both churches believe that Jesus is the head of their body. Both churches believe the Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs. Both churches believe the Bible is our ruling guide of faith. Both churches believe in a regenerated membership. Both churches believe in scriptural baptism. Both churches do. Both churches believe for it to be a scriptural baptism has to be a proper candidate, one who's given evidence of being saved. It's got to be a proper administrator. One who's given evidence of being saved, called to preach, and had hands laid on by the presbyter to be a scriptural baptism. One, uh, it's got to be a, a scriptural authority, which is the church. It's got to be a scriptural method, that way, which is an immersion. Both churches believe in, in a scriptural baptism. All the cardinal points of doctrine, both churches, both churches agree 100% on. These two factions here, had they been, had they been carried on like the split at, at, at the First Baptist Church in Gallatin, I mean Nashville, in was 1859, the Concord Association recognized the minority that had been excluded as being the true church and the majority having departed. And they hoped that the majority would correct what they did that was wrong and that, that, that they'd be able to come back and they said in, in the Concord Amendments that it would probably be more than likely impossible for the two factions to ever come back as one. But it's our desire that both factions be recognized as true Baptist churches. Do you know the Concord Association did that? And, and ten years later after the First Baptist Church had been expelled, they, they was asked to come back and they came back. And they seated with Spring Street, those that they had excluded, as an equal church. There's no difference in it, folks. And, in, and when the Nashville Association of Baptists were started in Nashville, both the First Baptist Church and Spring Street both were in the Constitution. Uh, that, that is what I understand on, on the Dixon Street time. It's, it's a sad thing. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've studied these issues. This ain't the end of our meeting because our next lesson is going to, to go into the North Carthage uh, and all that thing, all, all, all that confusion that we had in the 60s and that led on up to the 70s and it just seemed like it's progressed ever, ever a little bit and got worse and worse instead of better and better on fellowship. But we're going to go in and show why there should never have been a problem baptistically. Personality, yes, but not baptistically. But this is our lesson tonight. I know it's been lengthy, but I, I you know, it's, it's too much information. Y'all needed to hear it. It's on tape now. And if any of you can enlighten me further on it, I, I would be glad to be enlightened. 
Is there any questions anybody has to ask? I'll be willing to try to ask any question, answer any question y'all ask. Brother Rodney? Yes, Brother Alfred. Uh, you and I go back a long way. We do. Right? I love you. Yeah. Well, now, you have spent much time preparing this. What I uh, will speak to will be off in my head. And uh, my memory is always good. Uh, but but after, I can hardly hear you. Whatever you have spent a long time preparing this, what I'll speak about will be just off of my head. What I, you know, kind of gained through the years. And uh, but there's some of the things now that you spoke to are the truth. I'll admit that. That's but. He's talking about now the social. Let's go this last because I'm, I can't. I can't address all of it. Would you want to be speak for where I can hear you, brother Alfred? Well, I'm, I, I mean, I'm having trouble with you, but, but I'm getting old, man. I'm, I'm, well, I'm getting kind of hard to hear. That way, everybody can hear you. What, what you got to say? Well, thank you. Uh, of course, I'm a member at Dixon's Creek. And uh, have been for 72 years. And uh, some of what Brother Rodney has presented has been facts. You know, there's no denying. But now let's go back. The last thing he talked about, the when they, uh, the uh, Bled Soul Association, when Dixon's Creek pulled out of the Wiseman Association. According to our minutes, there was a motion made and second to get a letter of dismissal from the Wiseman and join the Bledsoe. And that they did. And for maybe a year or so, the Bledsoe was suited. Uh, then the controversy over the mission question, it, it, it become something great and a great disturbance among Baptist people. And, uh, of course, Brother Gregory, he was against the Southern Baptist Convention and their methods. And the Bledsoe covered a territory around uh, of the Wiseman and the Indian Association. And uh, when Dixon's Creek, the majority went down there uh, in 1920, I believe. Then, uh, but the Bledsoe Association seated a minority, uh, primarily because of Brother Cal. That's primarily what it was. Now, the convention, as far as I've been able to find out, began back early on. 1845. No. I'm going on back. That would be the Baptist. I'm going, on, I'm going on back okay. to, to uh, Judson and Rice. Okay. And uh, they were congregationalists. And they were on their way to India or Burma, I believe. That's right. Like that. 
And from studying of the scriptures, they decided the Baptists were the one that had the baptism. So they became Baptists. And of course, the congregation already had a convention. But when they uh, left that denomination, became Baptists, of course, they wouldn't support them anymore. So they didn't have any support. So if I remember right, Judson stayed, Rice come back over here, traveled all around the country gathering support, and wound up being the beginning of a convention. And uh, I think it was named the Triennial Convention, and that was pretty much the beginning of conventionism in the United States. Uh, Brother Biles West, he was he was the second pastor at Dixon's Creek. He was, and um, of course we'll get it now. We'll address Defeated Creek a little bit, and uh, now that. But now, whenever the churches, the early churches, they sent their members to these associations, and they named them delegates. Mm-hmm. You know what a delegate is. They're authorized to act on behalf of the church. And uh, Miles West bolted this association when that memorial from the minority was there. And he said, fellowship is broken in the church that was at Old Salt Lake and in the association. And all it wants to follow Old West, just come on. They left, went out there under a shade tree somewhere and made and decided when they was going to uh, meet and form a new association. And they did. Mm-hmm. So the uh, Salem Association appointed a committee to organize the church, the minority, into a church of Old Salt Lake. And that did, that took place. But not, there was a Daniel Smith and another one I can't remember now. They were not appointed by the association. William Clowers. No. He was there. No. No. And uh, went. It was in the organization of uh, Defeat Creek. Daniel Smith and. Uh, William C. Bransford was in that organization of Defeated Creek. A few years later, when Lafette Missionary Baptist Church was organized, Daniel Smith and William C. Bransford was a presbytery in the organization of this old church here. And uh, now, I wrote down just a few here. Speaking of Elder Swan, uh, the church was, seems like, was pretty well satisfied with him. Mm-hmm. But he could not serve on the day, on their meeting day. And the majority did not want to change their meeting day. So that left him out. 
and they elected Brother Cal Gregory. And um, District Creek, they had every right not to change the meeting day. That's true. To sue the preacher. I mean, you know. And uh, let me look here. I just wrote down a few things here. And I wasn't expecting this now. Well, Brother Alice, <laughs> and I, we hope it, that unity will come out of these meetings, not disunity. And the church, the church then, there at that, when that, and they made a motion that any business outside of the regular conference be out of order. And uh, so, and they did. Uh, the minority, they told, they spoke up and said, when y'all get through here, we've got some business we want to take care of. And so what the business they did was out of order. And, uh, well, right here while I'm thinking about this, I knew a lot of those old members up at Cape Doe. Because that's where I lived, where I was raised, in the Cato community. They was as uh, morally good people as I've ever known. But they was sadly mistaken in what they did. And I believe, and others have too, that <coughs> they would not have done that if they had not been influenced by an outsider. And that was Southern Baptist Convention. Convention. And now this is something that that I know about. Brother R. D. Brooks and uh, I talked with him on different occasions and uh, he was uh, going to speak down there at uh, the what is now called the Hartsville Missionary Baptist Church, not to be confused with East Main, but the one that he was instrumental in organizing. He was going to speak down there, and he called me and asked me to come, and I went. And at that meeting, he said, along other things, I can't remember all of it, but he said, uh, he went and searched the recourse. R.D. was raised up there in the Cato uh, faction. And he got saved there, received his baptism there, his ordination, and then you'll get into that, you said. Later. Next next we will get in all that. Yeah. You're welcome to come back. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he went down there and he searched the records. And he said, I found that we was in the wrong. And he said, I come back and I stopped and told Mammy, that was his mother. He said, Mammy, we're wrong. He, she said, she said, I know it, but I'm not going to change. I've gone too far to change now. And so that was, that would come from Brother Brooks and from his mother. I believe some of those old ones knew they was wrong. I know she did from his statement. And I don't think he told the wrong thing by what his mother said. And uh, I also knew a man there in the Cato community. Whether he was a member there or not, 
Uh, he's a pretty rough character. And uh, his mom and daddy was uh, some of the members that went up there. And uh, when I was around him and anything was said about it and all, he always referred to that much up there as Cato. And uh, so some of the members knew the difference. Now this comes from some of the members up there. It didn't come from somebody else. And as uh, far as, uh, let's see what this Well, yes, yeah, right. I got I got notes over. I keep finding it. It happens. But now I was talking about, and Brother Rodney said that uh, well. I'll read this. This is a portion of, not all, but I, I've, I've got, this is just a portion of the trial and what was found on there. Uh, the following items appeared in the Hartzell Vidette, uh, and Brother Rodney said that it's all about the property, but that's a mistake, but this is proof of. The following item appeared in the Hartzell Vidette, July the 21st, 1922, in the Court of Civil Appeals. J.J. Gregory, L. Adels, versus C.J. Beasley, at Adels. And the first decision was this. Now, it was first tried in the Chancery Court down there at Hartsville. The minority then took it to the Court of Civil, Appeal, Civil Appeals, which was the next highest court. And this was a finding. First, that the, con that the congregation of Christians known as Dixon's Creek Missionary Baptist Church mentioned, referred to in the record, is a voluntary, unincorporated religious body, and that it was organized and instituted as such on or about the day of March 1800. That it has ever since that day maintained and kept up a continuous and existing church organization according to the tenets, custom, practices, and principles on which it was founded. And now, when the associations made uh, decisions as to which group in the church was the true church, they made those decisions on if which group was contending for and standing on the principles that the church was organized on. Now, there was an old association up in East Tennessee, I believe the Tennessee Baptist Association, they made the same decision as uh, that one of the churches there was split and the minority missionary was mission-minded, mission, mission minded. the anti was uh, not. And uh, they declared or judged that the minority was uh, the ones that was uh, practicing on 
on the principles that it was founded on. Second, that said Dixon's Creek Baptist Church is and has been at all times congregational in form of church government controlling its own affairs by majority vote of its members at all times electing its pastors, deacons, trustees, and other officers by said majority vote that the election of Reverend Calvin Gregory as pastor thereof on February 21st, 1920 and afterwards ratified on March 14th, 1920 was in <coughs> all respects regular and in accordance with the usage and practice of the church and that his election was, bi was binding upon the membership thereof said majority having acted within the rights according to the law, usage, and customs of said denomination. Third, that, majority, that the majority of said church represented by the complainants and those in the same class with them have not departed with the tenants, custom, faith, and fundamental practices and doctrines on which said church was founded. That said majority faction, so represented by complainants and those in the same class with them, are therefore the true church organization of said Dixon's Creek Baptist Church. Fourth, that in the proper exercise of disciplinary power of said church organization, the defendants and those in the same class with them were by true church organization excommunicated and cut off from the membership thereof before the filing of the bill in this cause. And as to all thus, thus excommunicated and cut off by said majority faction, said action is binding and effective, it not appearing that said act of excommunication was the result of any scheme or con contrivance to gain right, title claim, or interest in any of said property, nor are they entitled to enjoy any of the privileges <coughs> incident thereto. Fifth, that in all respects, the complainants and those represented by them as the true church organization have fully sustained the allegations in their bill by the proof and are entitled to the relief sought of them by them. It is therefore ordered, adjusted, <coughs> and decreed in accordance with the findings as set out above, and that the defendants and those in the class with them and all others be perpetually enjoined from using, occupying, or setting up claim to said property and from the molesting complainants and those with them as the true church organization are from in any way interfering with said complainants and those with them in the full and free use and enjoyment of any and all said property. It is therefore ordered, adjudged, and decreed by this court that the defendants and those in the same class with them and all others be perpetually enjoined from using, occupying, or setting up claims to said church property and from molesting complainants and those in the same class with them as the true church organization. Now, and I've, this is just a part of it, 
Uh, but I have some copies here for anyone that was in, will be interested in uh, the findings of the court. And now this was uh, this was decided by uh, the judges that uh, and they were not they they were not biased and uh, they didn't have a bone to pick with anybody and uh, it was decided on two Baptist <coughs> principles and uh, what Baptist churches had always practiced and did and uh, judge uh, one of the judges on there matter of fact was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention no, the Tennessee State Convention. That's right. And uh, so, so there's, if there's any prejudice or bias, it would have been on the minority side. And uh, now, like I say, uh, and there's a, other things. I, I, this, some of this stuff is just kind of off the front of my head. And uh, Brother Rodney has had uh, a lot of time. And, uh, but... And he probably means well, but he's mistaken in a lot of this. Uh, and uh, if he had put as much time and study and effort into building up the cause rather than tearing it down, he would have been much better off, and the cause would have. And uh, the matter was settled in uh, Dixon Creek. It was settled a uh, hundred years ago. Yep. It settled in the church there at Dixon Creek. It was settled by the courts. It was settled in the hearts and the minds of the churches in the Enon and the Wiseman Association and many others. Now those churches up in uh, Kentucky and the ones that supported and went along with Bledsoe Association of course, they was going to support Cape Doe because they uh, supported the convention method of uh, giving their money. And uh, you've been elected pastor at Cape Doe, right? Yes, right. You're welcome to come anytime you want to. Be I, won't, to I won't be there. Didn't much speak. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be there. I did much However, when I was a kid, you know, it's right there next to the schoolhouse. Yeah. And I went to school there. Whenever I was a kid, I didn't. I did go up there from time to time. But, uh, no, I won't be coming. Whatever, Brother Apple. I'll, we'll still pray for you just to say. Are you through? Well, I'm going to quit. <laughs> Appreciate what Brother Apple said. He said, I, I made the statement at the very beginning of this that, that the lawsuit settled the property. And what Brother Apple read there plainly said it. When Dixon's Creek excluded the minority, as far as that minority is concerned, in Dixon's Creek, they no longer belong there. The law says very plain on that. At the same time, I made the point very clearly that the Association of Salem took overrid uh, Salt Lake's authority and constituted excluded members into a church called Defeated Creek. Now, brethren, you got to have it. You can't have it both ways. If the Defeated Creek is a scriptural church out of excluded members, so is Cato. If Cato is not a scriptural church, neither is Defeated Creek. Go back and look at the tapes. Now, 
As to this church trial in which the defendants are expelled from the church on charges of which they were duly notified and which they saw fit to ignore insisting that they were the real church, this court cannot review acts of church discipline. The only question that this court may decide is the question of property rights. I made that very clearly. And it goes on to say whether they were excluded rightfully or wrongfully, the court can't make that decision. If Brother Alphys was trying to uh, insinuate that the court said that that minority was excluded rightfully, this lawsuit says he cannot cannot go there. Period. Now, I I believe this all in my heart. This creek had the authority, right or wrong, to exclude that minority. Just like Salt Lake had the authority to do that. Just like the First Baptist Church at Nashville had the authority to do it. But whether it was right, right morally is a different story. And if we can let, recognize the feet of Creek, and I do, I have no problem with it. Then we can recognize the Cato. There's no, there's no difference in it, folks. Now, if, if you want to make a difference in it, just remember this. You're not judging rightfully. And I made a statement on this, I believe at the very first, that this would be no place here for debate. If any of your brethren want to debate this issue publicly, you name your time, you name your place, and we'll come and debate you. Is that fair enough for y'all? If y'all really want to debate these issues, uh, y'all are the ones that are causing the confusion, not me, and y'all are the ones that are breaking the fellowship, not me. I'm still hearing the Baptist doctrine that the brethren helped to, John Wiseman and them. Y'all are the ones that departed from it. Anybody else? Brother Rodney. Brother Alphys. We appreciate this, Brother Alphys. We're not going to go further with this, but if you are correct, Dixon's Creek majority should have never sued the minority. Anybody else? Brother Benjamin. I appreciate everybody coming out tonight. appreciate Brother Rodney coming to be with us tonight. Uh, We'll bring this service to a close. If we uh, reconvene, like I said, it'll be in January at the earliest if we we go forward with these. but I will get that announced as, as it comes available. Hope everybody has a good holiday. Enjoy Christmas. Enjoy it with your family. Enjoy it in the house of the Lord as it's on a Sunday this day. So anything um, further before we dismiss? All right, let's stand to our feet and we'll be dismissed. <clears throat> Brother Perry Kirby, would you dismiss us, please?